of Yahweh again, you have blessed me, graced me with this breath to walk this day that you have created, that you have already been through, Father God. Guide me, teach me, lead me, Holy Spirit. And for they that have an ear, let them hear these words from your treasury, Father God, your treasure house, your word, the Bible, our instruction manual, Father God, and that you have blessed me in letting me take this word and share this word, Father God. <laughs> oh, Yahweh, thank you so much for this opportunity. So undeserving, but yet you love me so that you allow this to take place. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua Aman. Parakritos Aman. Brothers and sisters, yeah, got a little weepy there. But, you know, here's the thing. That a lot of people take for granted, I, I will say. I'll use the word take for granted. They think that because we are on this plane of existence, that somehow we rate to have all these things, that somehow we have, it's an automatic. Uh, no, it's not. And this is where folks get in trouble with their arrogance and their attitude and derisiveness and derision and separation because they get these attitudes about being better than others or more important than others. <clears throat> Let me clue you and speak straight to the point. You don't deserve what God gives to you. I don't deserve what God gives to me. But because I believe, because I say I will, I do, let's go. And because I pour out my faith the best I can and allow him to walk in and strengthen through tempestuous times and all that, but I hold on to the faith. And if you do the same thing, God will bless you, not because you deserve it or that you've earned it or that any of those things in your mindset you think, it's because he loves and he honors the fact that you have faith in him, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as his only begotten son. And because God is full of grace, which bestows the gifts, and then his mercy is allowing you to walk through the course of the day and enjoy the gifts that he's bestowed. You see, grace and mercy, two different things. There are people, even in the the by name only Christian community that, that believe it's the same. It's not the same. They're different. Grace and bestowing mercy and allowing you to keep and use. If we got what we deserve to get, it would be in the days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah, and all that again. But God didn't want to do that. Why? Because God so loves us. Yes, brothers and sisters, God loves us so much. <clears throat> so, get beyond the fact that anything is, no one is better. Different, that's all, just different. I'm not better than anyone else, so sometimes what I say and people want to get their knickers all in a twist and be offended by how I speak, well, that's just, that's unfortunate. But I've shared it with you before. I don't care to the point that I'm going to alter and change. I, I don't care. I care in that it saddens me that people would want to go to the offense instead of just listening and hearing the truth. Because what I speak is from God. God allows it. And he allows me to re-enter his treasury to share these things. That is, that is blessing me so much that he takes me with his knowledge, his wisdom, his guidance. And he takes me into this treasury. And the Holy Spirit stirs me up and brings me to certain places. Being blessed, 
Not that I deserve it by any means. I, I've done some not good things, but I've repented. God's forgiven me, thrown it out in that sea of forgetfulness. And I, when I feel myself wading off into that surf and getting ready to dive into the water and swim out there and pick that crap up, the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And I get back on the beach. I don't swim out there. I don't want to, you, you swim out there and you pick it up. God will never remind you or point his finger at you and say, hey, you remember when I threw this bag of garbage out there in the sea of forgetfulness and, and, you know, and this was that and this was that and you did this and that? God will never do that. Where that comes from is the enemy. The enemy is the one that points the finger accuses, blames, and wants you to be bound up in what happened and what's happening and try to take your happiness. But remember this, brothers and sisters, not even Satan can take from you or rob from you or steal from you. So stop using the phrases like, oh, he stole my joy. He robbed my happiness. He took, he took. No, you gave it up. That's the only thing that he can do. That's the only thing that his minions can do, those that work for him. I mean, if, if you give it up, they can carry it away. And it's still robbery. They just didn't come in and take it. They didn't come in and steal it. You gave it to them. They robbed it. They didn't steal it. You gave it up. So don't do that, brothers and sisters. It's very, very much different. But I'm going to share a couple things with you here. We're going to get into some English lessons. Spirit was stirring this up in me because I hear people kind of banter back and forth about this stuff. Not often, but enough that I've... And I've always... I have always, always had this as a curiosity in my mind. So, I'm going to explore a couple words here and, and expound on this and why it comes up. You'll understand this. So, the first word is rarefied. I heard that in laboratories and when I was doing experimentation they talk about rarefied earth and rarefied oxygen things extremely high or elevated lofty or exalted of belonging to or appearing to an exclusive group this uh some of the theologians, I'm going to share this out, they think themselves to be rarefied. Uh, the Pharisees believed themselves to be of a rarefied organization, a rarefied group, and they, but they vaunted it in arrogance, self-righteousness, self-centeredness. And there are some that went and they got their little degree and they got the little man to sign a piece of paper and his his vice chancellor or president of the college or whatever and they put their name on this little piece of paper. I think I shared with you the other day that this guy was really being an attitudinal individual. And then, because... And here's the other thing too, brothers and sisters. That if you're... Remember what it says about being angry and not sinning in anger. As a Christian, a true Christian, let's, let's put that emphasis in there. As a true Christian, <clears throat> pardon me, you can be angry, but don't be unrighteous in that anger. Stand upright, be firm. And a lot of people, they get kindness and weakness confused. They try to use that in, as a synonymous definitions for people. The same, they're not... Okay, being kind does not necessarily mean that you're weak. God is a kind, good God. Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made. And then you look around and see what power, might, and majesty he has. This is why you fear God. But here's the difference. 
you fear God when an auspicious fear, meaning that you know what he is, you know who he is, you know what he can do, and you respect that. So when you come in the presence of Lord God Almighty, Abba, Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made, you do so in humble, auspicious fear and adoration for who and what he is. And knowing, here's the thing, at any time, at any time, he could put his thumb down and stop it. And when I say stop it, I'm talking about your life. At any time. Tomorrow is not promised, brothers and sisters. Tomorrow is not promised. But here's the thing. God loves us. God cares for us. And things that people try to blame God for is not, it's our own blind walk and stepping into the garbage with our eyes closed instead of opening the scales knocked off. Sometimes I do this. God knows. And I remember to throw it out to him and I want his strength and self because in our weakness is his strength. Don't put yourself into a position like some of these theologians, some, I say some, I don't say all, because there's some that really put out time and effort and their family situations, and some of them were married at a young age and started going into, they felt the calling from God. So they went to uh, theological studies and seminary, and unfortunately, a lot of this uh, costs quite a bit of money because of education and it's <clears throat> their universities. And then you get that little fancy piece of paper with a signature on it. Not trying to detract from that, but the, what I'm, the point I'm making is there are some people that put that as a focal point. That that little piece of paper with a signature is the focal point. And this guy that came on, started to share that with him sidetrack pardon me I'm old I do that sort of stuff I'll get back on track so this guy comes on he's he's acting really out of line and I firmly told him and then he wanted to get argumentative I said excuse me this seat that I'm in makes me in charge of this vehicle that you are coming to I would rather give you a ride and take you where you need to be but you don't act that way. And then he started throwing, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a this. And I, I said, excuse me, stop right there. I said, you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. I said, but authority does not come from you or where you're telling me it came from. It comes from one place and one place only. And that's God. You want to ride, you get in here, but if you're going to continue acting out the way you're doing, you can sit over there and you can wait for someone else to pick you up because I won't take you. Now, there might be some that might take issue with that, but here's the thing. Firm, trying to be kind, but this guy wanted to act out. That doesn't make me a weak individual and doesn't make me bad for what I did and said to him, putting him in his place, letting him know that there were certain rules and just allowing somebody to act out any way that they want to and claiming to be a pastor doesn't mean anything at all. If they are wrong, they are wrong, period. And that behavior was not respectful to anyone else. As the journey continued, he started not in a boisterous manner in a way, but he started acting out and trying to preach, I guess, to somebody. I didn't hear all the conversation, but I finally heard the young man said, just leave me alone, and then got up and moved to a different location, and the guy was left muttering. And then when he gets off, he pulls out a certificate. He carries his certificate of ordination with him. 
And in the quick moment that he flashed it up there to try to prove his point to me, I could see that it was one of those online certification things. You can get them online. Cost you 15 bucks or something like that, and you can be certified, you know, and, and all this. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. He tried to make himself, what did I say, rarefied. He tried to make himself lofty and exalted in that he had this authority that was given of mammon. Wasn't even true, because if he had truly been, wouldn't have been acting out that way. So it doesn't mean that you're unkind because you firmly put somebody in a position that they should be in anyway, and they're working outside of that. And especially when you have somebody like this, that doesn't mean that you're unkind. It doesn't mean you're not compassionate. I still wanted to get to serve this guy. I still wanted to provide access for him. I didn't deny it, which I very well could have. And it was getting close to because... Quite honestly, this guy was acting out pretty badly. So here's here's the point being in this verbiage here that I, I'm sharing is the next one is called peculiar. In the English language, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting how we change and alter words around and how certain words are given to certain things or certain people. And it's not even the real definition, but it gets changed. And then because so many, you get hundreds of thousands and even millions of people ignorant, and they will jump onto this bandwagon in declaring a cheetah is a leopard, which is biologically and actually physiologically not true because they are two different species of animals, but because of ignorance, and that's what goes on in the world today and in the time of the Lord when he was walking on this earth. Ignorance. It doesn't mean people are stupid, so don't get your knickers in a twist about that, which so many people do. Keep in mind, you seek offense, you will surely find it. So stop looking for it. So getting all rattled up and, and agitated about that, but it, it's true. It's absolutely true. Certain words are not synonymous, but people declare that they are, so they want to put that out there. It's just like with pit bulls. Pit bulls, here's the thing. I'm going to give you a quick education on that too. Pit bulls were never bred for fighting, although you get hundreds and thousands of people that declare that to be a truth and factual. Not true. Not factual. I raised rescue, and I also raised one from a pup. Not bred for fighting. It is not their internal instinct to do so. That is a lie. That is misinformation and that is not true. Believe it or not, because God imparted in these creatures this huge desire to love and protect and be loyal and true as, as mammon should be to one another. He put that in them. They're special. Actually, what they were bred for, especially the American Staffordshire, was bred and called the nanny dog, historically, the nanny dog. And they talk about intelligence not being trained. Okay, if anybody remembers the Little Rascals, what about Petey? Petey was a pit bull, and he stayed with those kids. He protected the kids, and he loved the kids. This is why they were bred. During the Depression era, the nanny dog, pit bulls, stayed at home because both mother and father and anyone of age were out working to try to survive. The pit bull, because people couldn't afford a nanny or a babysitter, stayed with the younger children as they were told to stay in the house, stay around the house. And if something really necessary came about that needed mom or dad's attention, the oldest child that could and knew where they were all the time would get mom or dad and get them home. But the nanny dog, the American Staffordshire Pit Bull, stayed with the children, was loyal, fiercely protective, highly intelligent. Okay, how could you get a dog to act if they weren't so... Here's the other thing. They're not intelligent. You can't train them. You can't this and you can't that. 
all false information, all misleading information, and people do the same thing with the Word of God. Mislead, misinterpret, twist it around, pervert it, and sadly you have those that claim to be Christians to do the same thing. And I pick on those folks, and that's too bad, so sad. You shouldn't talk the way you do, and I won't talk the way I do. (laughs) But here's the truth. You get them making declarations of doom and gloom, and they wear these rose-colored glasses and, you know, everything. It's not dark, brothers and sisters, and it's not. How is the truth from the Word of God any in any shape, way, manner, doom and gloom? If you only pick out the nice flowery stories and this and that, brothers and sisters, you will find interwoven in everything from the Old Testament to the New Testament, interwoven, laced together. And remember this, that blessing comes from the breaking. It's all interwoven, interlaced, and all is there. Ruth and Boaz, nice little love story, how it came out, and he became enamored with her at first and then told his told his uh, field workers that she was to be able to gather from where they're working and don't torment her, don't beset her, allow her to do so, and if at all possible, drop extra so that where she's pulling up, she can pull that up and take it and be able to take care of it. Because Naomi, if you remember in the story, Naomi was kin to Boaz. And Ruth had told Naomi that she was going to stay with her, not forsake her, that she was going to accept her people as Ruth's own and Naomi's God as her God. God honored that because she sought him to honor her mother-in-law and promised that she would stay with her and honor her people and honor her God. God in turn honored that. He blessed her. Brothers and sisters, this is what we have to do. We can't, we're not above anyone. He he was a landowner. He had. And he could have put himself up there like the Sanhedrin did, made himself lofty and exalted. What are you doing in my field? Didn't do that. Ruth was attractive, so... He looked at her and he he became enamored. But brothers and sisters, we are there. So here's this thing, the other word peculiar. People look at that word peculiar and in our modern language, peculiar, we tend to look at it as an oddity, oddball, weirdo. Peculiar, look, they're acting so peculiar. Maybe they're, uh, you know, talking to them talking to these things that others cannot see. But here's the thing too, brothers and sisters, that remember that we walk in faith and not by sight and that there is a spiritual warfare that goes on that we are not privy to see. If we had vision of these things, we would be in the midst of the worst sci-fi horror flick that you could imagine. And it goes on around us all the time. This is why the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God and why we have spiritual beings that God dispatches from heaven that come to be around us and protect us and care for us. Brothers and sisters, it's happening. The Bible talks about it. And how do you know that this person is not actually seeing and being tormented because that veil that protects us from seeing these things is not torn wherever this person is and he can see these minions that work for Satan that are trying to come at him or her. You cannot judge these people to be a peculiar and oddity because they may be seeing things that you cannot. They do, actually. They have conversations with these beings that we cannot see or don't see. They see them. How can we at all judge them? I come in contact a lot. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you something here truthfully now. In this area, I have seen more of that going on than in any 
place I have ever been. I've been, I saw it when I traveled in Japan. I lived there for almost two years and I saw it there. And there are some things that take place. Brothers and sisters, when I was in alcohol, I'm an alcoholic, by the way. Uh, don't know if I ever shared that with you. Maybe I did. When I was getting out of the service and leaving some of the things that I saw and did and had the unfortunate occasion to hold someone in my arms that died, that's not a pleasant place to be. These things that veterans go through with what they call PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, it's real, it happens, don't judge. You don't have that authority, you don't have that privilege to be that vaunted judgmental individual. Judge not lest ye be judged. Judgment is for God and God only. This is why we cannot judge one another, those that are, we claim to be peculiar. The first definition is the one that people grab and hold on to so often. Strange or odd. But here's the deeper definitions of the word. Uncommon. Distinctive in nature or character from others. <clears throat> As a Christian. Now, now, right there in that midst, I'm going to jump over to 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may not, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. But here's the thing, and Peter goes on to say that we, because we're here, that we need to be lawful and, and do those things. But the point that Peter's making in this, and when he talks about the Gentiles, those are just those that are not believers. That's the separation. They are not believers that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, and God is the Abba Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made. They've not stepped into that belief. That's the difference between the Gentiles. But we as a peculiar people, okay, distinctive in nature or character. This goes back to that other thing that I shared with you. WWJD, what would Jesus do? See, back in the day when that phrase was first coined and it became cutesy and then it became all these little trinkets and all, it lost its savor, the salt just deteriorated and it was no more. It became this little cutesy token, a token phrase. But here's the difference between us being a peculiar people set aside, distinctive in nature or character. As a true Christian, not those that just claim by title, and remember I've shared this with you, Christian means of Christ, from Christ, just like a Bostonian, a Californian, a Washingtonian, an Alaskan, uh, Atlantan, a Texan, a Philadelphian. When that title is made, it means that's where the person is from or they're of that location. What would Jesus do? 
in any given situation, bullet prayer to the, through the Holy Spirit to guide you in whatever action and how would it be that as a true Christian, I must react to this point and I must react this way or I must act this way. Distinctive in nature or character from others. Belonging characteristically. Ah, so important. What is the nature and character of Christ? Important to know this. Jesus Christ didn't like everyone. You think that he liked the Sanhedrin when he was called and chastised every opportunity that they had, no matter what he did, no matter what he said, no matter where he walked, no matter how he spoke, they found some reason to be displeased. They found some reason to have... their offenses publicly displayed and they made that point. Jesus Christ wasn't going around in, to everybody and saying, now you listen to me and don't listen to those Pharisees. Don't listen to the Sanhedrin. Don't listen to anything they have to. He did not do that. What did Jesus do? In their face, when they pulled him into council or they're uh, badgering him, he told them straight to their face. He didn't go behind them out there in public. A couple times he he would say things like, as others do, or as others say. He never called them out by name publicly, but to their face he told them the truth. They were offended at that. Why? Because they decided that they were rarefied. They were high. They were lofty. Their arrogance, their self-centeredness was displayed when they stood on the corner bowing and weeping and chanting and raving and screaming and hollering, drawing attention to themselves. And they did this. And when people came and tried to speak to them, even the colleagues, they'd put their hand up and stop them and don't interrupt. I'm, this is important that I do this because I am rarefied. I'm a Sanhedrin. I'm a Pharisee. And I have to do this out here so people can see me. They wore these robes. They wore these headpieces. And they were draped around so when they walked they would kind of flap almost like a cape they thought themselves to be supermen pretty sad actually Jesus Christ didn't have to like them and he didn't I'm sure that he disliked them there was a couple times when he <coughs> pardon me sorry about that where he was angered by them but that was displayed in a righteous upright fashion which characteristically remember to be belonging characteristically we are his peculiar people and here's the final definition of that belonging exclusively to some person or group But here's the thing about that. There are these clubs that people want to become to and they want to be part of exclusively and only and that they can only be called one of that group and all this. And they have these, you have dues and you have things. But as God's peculiar people, yeah, we have a dues of sort. But here's the thing, that the gift that God offers is salvation, the possibility to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ, the very one that came in his human nature was separated from God by choice. He stepped off the throne that he occupied and stepped into this realm. And by the Holy Spirit, Mary, mother of Jesus, had this child. She had other children. Jesus Christ did have brothers and sisters, by the way. Some of you may not know that. They think that he was the exclusive only child. Well, not true. And this is a problem that he went when he ran into when he went back to Nazareth, his own hometown. And I think he did that out of, as we all do. Remember, you have to remember and not fail to remember this, that Jesus Christ was both 100% of God and heaven but also 100% human. He was a man. 
He came down. He faces temptations. He faced things. People threw things up at him all the time. Many of his heavenly attributes were surrendered to God the Father. And that he had to go through Abba Yahweh in order to accomplish some things. He still had many of those. Like he could he could read the character of hearts and he knew things that were going to take place and he saw just like he he was able to uh, know what Peter was about when Peter denied him. He said, what, you claim that you're going to go and die with me and you, you won't leave my side? <coughs> Pardon me. He told Peter, he said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny that you ever knew me. And when those occurrences took place, Peter started out, he just said no, and he walked away, he went over to a fire drum and was there, and he said no. And then when the woman confronted him and said, I saw you, I know you did, he cursed her. And then that's when he heard the rooster, the cock crowed. And Peter, boom, his immediately the revelation of exactly, you know, as they do in, in Hippocrywood, they make those little insert film things that he saw Jesus saying this to him. Peter ran from the city, ran out of the gate, threw himself down to the ground and wept bitterly, bitterly. He also saw and knew that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him. This is part of the mysterious wonder of God, brothers and sisters, that we do not have the authority to question or have any reason and quit trying to figure these things out and pondering in your mind, in your finite mind. When Jesus first was introduced, did you not think that Jesus was able to read his heart? It's um, it's a pretty intense sensation that um, God, for whatever reason, he will share sometimes with, with individuals. But for Jesus Christ, when first introduced and shaking hands with him, or however they did that in the very first greeting, do you not think or suppose that Jesus Christ hesitated for a moment because he knew already what was in the heart that Jesus had in his heart? I believe he did, but knowing also that this is part of the ordained plan already done and that he wasn't going because he said, oh, no, 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 Judas, you can't be part of us because you know what? I just read your heart and your mind and, and put this stuff here. You're going to betray me. You're going to backstab me. You're going to give me up to the first thing. Do you not think that all of his disciples would have jumped on him and pummeled him? which is what Jesus constantly tried to keep them from doing. They wanted to, my goodness gracious, they wanted to fight and argue and beset the Samaritans. This is why he called James and John the sons of thunder. That's in the Bible, by the way. He called them that. Why? Because they wanted to fight with everybody that didn't believe. And you remember that when the individual came and was not confronting Jesus so much in a negative way, but confronted Jesus when he was walking with the disciples and said, oh, Lord, we're, we're, man, this is so wonderful. We're doing this in your name and we're, and we're able to do and accomplish. And the disciples stepped in, I think it was Simon Peter, the, the first one. Hey, you can't be with us. You're not one of us. You're not part of this group. Jesus rebuked and said, wait a minute. They're exhibiting a great deal of faith and doing these things in my name and doing so righteously. And you want to say that they're not allowed to be part with us or part of the group because they're not with us. Brothers and sisters, we do this thing as a true Christian, not one that claims the title only. And that goes with the word of God. You cannot pick and choose what you're going to study in there. And who are you and what authority 
Do you have by any way, shape, or means to declare that something is doom and gloom simply because you don't want to hear it or simply because you don't like what it talks about or that you have decided that it's terrible thing that's happening to where I live? Well, let me tell you that claim that to be so. That is not so, because the word of God declares that this is not our home. First Peter 2.9, we are strangers and we are on a sojourn to another location. A sojourner is a traveler. We are on a work visa in this location. Billy Graham declared, this is not my home. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm just passing through. This is not my home, brothers and sisters. This is, this is our plane of existence where we are. But my home, by faith, looking to be in heaven with Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> and God, my family, loved ones, and the reunion is going to be astounding. My faith tells me that's where I want to be and where I will be by faith. So you don't have the authority to decide what is doom and gloom from body. So when you do that, see, here's the thing too, that those deluded, polluted, and blinded Christians that declare that, they have now tried to self-supersede Jesus Christ and God. So you have to be very cautious in what you speak and how you speak. And they are speaking out of turn and not righteously. <clears throat> when they call it doom and gloom, they have already superseded Jesus Christ and put themselves, vaunted themselves above Jesus Christ. So when a supposedly Christian at a Bible study or in their walking, sharing with others, however it's done, they declare that it's doom and gloom and, oh, I just do this. They have already vaunted themselves higher than God and higher than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the name above all names. He is the authority above all. He was from the beginning with God. He was the word. He was with God, with God from the beginning. And he became flesh and came here to be crucified and sacrificed for us. So those of you that declare yourselves to be higher than his authority, you are very, very thin ice walking and treading, brothers and sisters. If you are saying those things, be cautious and repent because here's the thing. Jesus Christ himself declared that this way that is going on, what did he say? Matthew 24, check it out. That family will be against family. Sons will sacrifice their fathers, daughters, their mothers for his name's sake. And that it would be as it was in the days of Noah before the return of the son of man. How was that? It was so bad that God flooded the earth and destroyed everything here. Before Jesus Christ comes back, it is going to turn and be the same way. But as a peculiar people, a chosen people, because you have said, I will believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. I choose that. I choose to have my faith in God, and I choose to have the Holy Spirit walk with me as the book of Proverbs 3, 6 declares. You choose that, God chooses you. Have I not commanded thee to be of good courage? Be not afraid nor dismayed. Do not allow yourself to become discouraged for I, thy Lord, thy God, am with you whithersoever thou goest. In this dark and tumultuous time, brothers and sisters, God has promised that he will be with us at all times. These individuals that declare doom and gloom and testify that way, they are walking on very thin ice and they need to be exercising caution. If you are guilty of that, 
Not for me to judge you, brothers and sisters. You have put yourself in that position. But what you must do is declare repentance and say, Father, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I, I didn't know that I was doing that. I didn't know that was taking place. Repentance is available for all. That's why the Bible tells us to pray for kings and princes and those in authority. These individuals don't know. They, they're being manipulated. They're, they're part of the minions and they don't even know it. But the possibility of repentance, that all would have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, Lord God Almighty, and the Holy Spirit. I will, I do, let's go. And that's what I do, brothers and sisters. I share the gospel, the truth of God, Jesus Christ, that all would have the opportunity. This is not about elevating me. This is about elevating that authority which has shared his truth and knowledge with me and allows me to go into the treasury and allows me to scrape a shelf clean with all his gems and jewels and then watch it bubble up the same again, like an artesian well of gems and minerals and all these things just come bubbling up out of nowhere and they just bubble up and fill the shelf again so that I can go back in and as I scrape it off, there's a different different perspective or a different sharing or the word is changed somehow the same thing but it's changed so that there's others that can hear it and understand it that's what i do brothers that's what we're all supposed to be doing however there are those that declare doom and gloom i don't want to share that part i don't want to hear about that i don't want to read about that that's not what i want well of course it's not what you want and there's here's the important thing too Listen to their words. Listen to their verbiage when it spews out of that little orifice called a mouth. The declaration is I, 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 I. I in the middle of the pie. He is greater than I. Brothers and sisters, always. Don't be that self-centered, watered-down, diluted, polluted Christian. Sun-centered, S-O-N, God-centered, Holy Spirit-centered, and, and just declare that all the time. And remember this too, the, God did not expect perfection from you, so when you fall down, don't get yourself in a tither about falling down or something. So here's the thing that was in a further reading. Hope in me. And you will be protected from depression and self-pity. Hope is like a golden cord connecting you to heaven. The more you cling to the cord, the more I bear the weight of your burdens. Thus you are lightened. Heaviness is not of my kingdom. Cling to hope and my rays of light will reach you through the darkness. Ah, I've shared this thing about that cord before, brothers and sisters. The anchor rope. That hope. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of all things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of all things not seen. Furthermore, brothers and sisters, we must walk in faith, not by sight. So, doom and gloom, you can declare that if you like. But on the other end, see, like Billy Graham has also said to this one thing, everything will be okay. I've read the end of the Bible. I read the last chapter and verse. I've read through the Bible and I've read that chapter and verse. A lot of stuff is nasty in between, but that's all the characteristics that mammon has chosen, brothers and sisters. Doom and gloom, no. Heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ? Yes, by faith. That's the walk I take. Brothers and sisters, that's all you have to do is accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son, have faith in God, and ask that the Holy Spirit guide your steps. All is available, all is freely given, and all is truth. Have faith, brothers and sisters. You throw faith out at these egregious so-called elected officials and people will shrug their shoulders and say, well, they know they're in charge. They got elected. They must know better than us. No, 
They have failed the people, failed constitutional law. They have failed and stolen the Bill of Rights and totally forgotten of the people, by the people, and for the people. Forgotten. But there are those that claim to be Christian that will shrug their shoulder and fall into complacency. Well, yeah, that's just the way it is. And I don't want to hear about all that doom and gloom. I don't want to hear about all that. That's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't go there. That's why I don't do... What a bunch of hooey. You don't go to church because you throw yourself back in your comfort zone, pull that lever or push that button on the recliner, kick your feet back up, and you don't want to get out of that position. Brothers and sisters, being a, Christ, a true Christian and sharing and going out, it puts you out of your comfort zone. There's nothing in the Bible that says what we do as a Christian is easy. It's a hard. Why do you think that Jesus' description of the two gates, why do you suppose that Jesus Christ described it that way? Hello, open your spiritual eyes and see and look around what's going on. Because there are fewer and fewer people, even in this day, fewer that are choosing to accept Jesus Christ and to be faithful to God and follow him. There are a lot out there. There's a lot of us out there, but there are fewer and fewer. They choose to go and follow, fearfully driven, follow the herd. I see this every single day of a particular location that I work around. Oh my gosh. Fearfully driven. And this is what is being continually pandered to the citizens. Fear, fear, fear. This is of the devil. Accusations, blame, pointing their finger. Fear, fear, fear. Do not be allowing the minions to sow the seeds of the weeds and do not allow them to grow, to cloud your vision, to cloud your focus, to, to get you away from where you should be. And that, brothers and sisters, is exactly what's going on today. But that's not doom and gloom. Have faith, brothers and sisters. Follow the word. Seek the truth. Seek his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom. It's there. It's real. Be blessed. I pray for you on my going out, my coming in daily.